everybody. Grab your Bible, pencil, and journal, and maybe even a cup of coffee, and join in on the conversation. But first, I would like for you to write this down. Exodus 3, verses 2 through 7. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, while the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their suffering. Hey everyone, welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara and I'm Dot's daughter. And every week we sit down together and we talk through truths and scripture. And in this episode, we begin the book of Exodus, which happens to be one of my personal favorite books of the Bible. We talk through the beginning of Moses' life, the burning bush, how God used Moses, even with a colored past, for lack of a better word, and how God can use us, even if our past may not be exactly what we have hoped or wanted it to be. So anyway, we are really glad that you're here. Pull up a chair and listen in. So Kara, here we are. We're just moving right on into uh, the wilderness. Yep, Uh, Exodus. Exodus. We love Exodus. I know. It's one of my favorite books, if not my favorite book of the Bible. Mm -hmm. What are some of your favorite things, Kara? Well, I was actually thinking, I don't know why it's my favorite book. Which okay. is not helpful, but I was sitting here thinking, I wonder, like, why is it? But I, I think it probably has to do with there's not only is there so much in it, it's just a lot going on, which mm-hmm. I like in some other books. I mean, I hate to say it, but it can get a little boring. Um, so there's just a lot going on. But I think I really like Moses. I like seeing mm-hmm. his progression from, you know, Exodus 1 and 2, where he murders and runs. And I also love seeing that he's insecure. I love seeing Mm. the leader that he really turns into. And Mm. so I like seeing his development. I like seeing it just, I think all the timing of it too. Like you Mm. really see God's timing and just miracles um, Mm. and just how God's not sitting idle. It was all of these details that had to come into play in order for this story to take place. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk so often about our relationship with God, that it is a relationship. And God wants us to know who He is, but He also wants to know who we are. He wants He knows who we are. He wants us to know who we are and we're what a child we're capable of, God. of doing. We are a child of God. That is our <laughs> identity. And they are children of God. They were His people. And uh, He redeemed them, and He did rescue them. And it brings us really to Jesus. It really shows so much. You know, it's like a type of uh, Jesus, a redemption, how Moses is 
very similar. Of course, he's not God, very far from God, but he does deliver his people. He does deliver God's You're children. Saying that he there's does a, rescue them. A parallel between Moses and Jesus in terms yes. of how he redeems. Other roles of, you know, how that Jesus comes and he delivers his children, God's children, frees them. You know, Jesus said, I've come to set you free. And so he is a deliverer. And, you know, the Jewish people saw Moses as a deliverer. Moses was delivered. Uh, You know, when you start off from the very beginning, the poor little boy was a basket case and he was just uh, in the Nile River. And, you know, we don't want to skip over that for a minute. I want to talk about that in a minute, Kara, because then your mom, you know, I, I I can't even imagine what Moses' mother was thinking, but she had to take drastic measures, you know, because... Yeah. Well, she probably, even when she put him in the basket, she, she didn't know if he would survive or not. I mean, that was... Well, she didn't know that, but you know what I kind of think... A lot of times we think about Moses just drifting around in the in the water, but when you read it and you go very slow, you know he she sets him by the reeds. In other words, he's planted there in this basket, and maybe uh, Moses's mother knew that Pharaoh's uh, daughter came to the Nile River. You know, there maybe that was a routine of that. Now again, we are. Uh, looking into the scripture that we don't know, this is not what scripture says. And, you know, that's a big no-no. Right. I always say that. But as a mother's heart, I do think maybe she did have this plan because, you know, mom's always thinking ahead. And I, I think maybe God put on his on her heart to, you know, let's make a plan to, to do whatever we can. And again, like you said, we don't know that uh, he would survive that. She didn't know that it would go through. But it seems kind of, you know, strange that Miriam, his sister, is there watching Pharaoh and daughter there. And so, you know, I wonder sometimes, I'm like, maybe did she, maybe God put that plan in uh, Moses's mother's heart to yeah. try to save Moses. Now, we know God saved Moses and, and we know that he, you know, lived, uh, for 40 years in Pharaoh's house, uh, at, you know, among the Egyptians. And as you said, he did murder uh, an Egyptian and he, out of fear, mm-hmm. he uh, ran into the wilderness. So, mm-hmm. but for 40 years, the first 40 years of his life, from, uh, from, you know, time that he was a little bit of a toddler or three or four, you know, when they stopped nursing, Joshabed, I think that's her name had to give Moses to Pharaoh's, and he didn't live among the Egyptians. And then... Wait, who did you just talk... Who who was that? Joshua. That's the name of Moses' mother. Oh, because she had... She got to nurse him until, you know, he was a little bit older, so... Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And so then she had to turn him over, which now she's got to say goodbye to Moses again. But again, there had to be this comfort that God has spared his life then and now it's one thing to throw him in the Nile River it's another did to she, turn him over to Pharaoh's did she house. work for this is I just can't remember it was his mother did she work for Pharaoh when no. she put him in the reeds no 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 she was just a Jewish and Hebrew. then she just happened to be who 
Pharaoh was like, or Pharaoh's daughter was like, hey, come nurse yes, this that's baby. that's why Chuck kind of says there might have been a little bit of a plan because maybe she knew that Pharaoh's daughter always comes to that place in the Nile River. Mm-hmm. And, and so their only hope, their only chance, humanly speaking, because they didn't know what God was doing, that maybe Pharaoh's daughter would have compassion mm-hmm. on Moses, which we know that he did. Mm-hmm. So for 40 years, Moses, you know, lives in Egyptian house, and he learns all about the Egyptian gods. Right. Ironically, uh, the Nile River is something that the Egyptians uh, worshipped, which we'll see that all the plagues do represent one of the gods that the Egyptians um, worship. I think that's like an important thing, or for me it was when reading specifically the first four books of the Bible, but really the whole Old Testament is the culture in which the Old Testament was written in was very polytheistic. Like there was mm-hmm. a lot of gods, there was, that was the norm. And so the thought of monotheism, of being one God was absolutely unheard of. Right. Which would be like, as if someone were to try to convince us as Christians and Jesus followers, oh, actually there's a lot of gods and try to, mm-hmm. you know, try to, I don't know, convince or tell us to be polytheistic. It's like, no, no, there's only one God. So I think that's an important thing to know. And because I think that, I don't know, just because I I think it shows just how with the Israelites, like it still wasn't right for them to worship other gods in the wilderness and all that. But it just, it kind of helps understand a little bit like, oh, that's why that seemed a little bit more natural to them to create more gods in their own image. You know, because they were, it was an easily, easy to be swayed in that direction, I think. Well, I think the, the really the most important, Kara, is that the whole point of, of a lot of Exodus, not the whole point, but the majority of the point, and we'll see it over and over again, would be God wanted his people, the Jewish people, to know that he was the one and only true mm-hmm. God. Because, you know, Moses says, you know, if I go, who, who they're going to ask, well, who, you know, made you ruler over us? Mm-hmm. And they're not going to listen to me. So what is your name? And he said, you know, I am. Mm-hmm. So we start off at the very beginning of Exodus where we know that God wants Moses to know who he is. Right. And he wants the Hebrews to do that. But also he wants the Egyptians. Right. Well, I to think know that. it's like, him point God wanted to point out like it's not I'm not just a God I am the God and that's why he the says it over God. and over God mm-hmm. it's not just like they may have seen him as oh okay okay you're one of many gods and God's like no no like I am the one and only because that mm-hmm. would I think they would have automatically maybe have seen like or acknowledged him as God but maybe just one of many and why over and over again he had to tell them well and that's the whole point of the plex is that you think this Nile River is a god. I'm going to turn the Nile River into blood. You, you know, worship locusts. You worship they worship uh, locusts. Flies. All of those. Every one of That's those. So weird. Uh, yeah. Every one of those plagues was a way that they worshipped. weren't even like wasn't like farm or I don't know what it would be. It's but all just nature. Yeah, it was all like part um, of nature. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like and probably gods of um, like weather. Or Na- mm-hmm. nature. nature, yeah. And so 
what God is trying to point to us, and this is, we don't want to get caught up in all this, is that what God wants us to know in Exodus is that there's one God. He is it. And Moses has an encounter with God, and God calls him out by name. And we see Moses having this wonderful conversation uh, going back and forth with, here is the one true God, the Yahweh. And Moses is standing there. He sees this bush, and God definitely shows Moses his power in the fact that he's in this bush, but he's in this fire, but it's not consuming. And so the This starts out the very beginning of Exodus, and that's what God wants us to know is that who He is and His power. But we see as we get on into Exodus is that God doesn't want us just to know His power. We can see God's power, but we need to know His ways as well. And we'll see that as we get on into Exodus. But One thing that I think is interesting with that whole burning bush scene that I noted in my margin is... You know, when he tells Moses to take his sandals off because of the place in which he stands is holy ground, it's not that the, like, there was nothing special about where he was or where he was standing, but what made it holy was because God's presence. That's right. I think, yes, that is still true today, but even with, you know, the Holy Spirit, I think that we lose sight of, we have that presence within us. And Mm -hmm. again, it goes into like, we are made holy because... Not because of anything we've done or anything, but because the presence of God is what makes the ground holy, what makes us holy, what makes mm-hmm. anything holy. Um, right. It's what made the tabernacle holy, you know, throughout the Old Testament. And and I think that it's just some of those things that I do like about the Old Testament. And I think sometimes the Old Testament easily can be, you know, thrown, not aside. thrown mm-hmm. aside. But I think it really helps bring the perspective of why it was so important that God, when God's telling us that, you know, our bodies are a temple or how we are holier, the importance of his presence or whatever is because when you see it paired with the Old Testament, you, re- I don't know, it just for me, maybe it's we just have me, lost but, our reverence is what yeah, you're saying. Like and, just, and that's what the book of Leviticus is all, is all about is God's holiness. Mm-hmm. We also will see when we get into, you know, the tabernacle, we'll see how God is, you know, in detail, when he is going to be and his presence is going to be there, how they're to approach it and how they're to uh, deal with certain, you know, well, the if, law, if they, the commandments. If they approached it in a way that wasn't right or whatever, they were killed, <laughs> like That's immediately, right. like, and not by anyone, like they were struck dead because of That's right. just how important. Anyway, and I know that we'll get into that later in Exodus, but... Yeah, because I, th- I like us to think about this just for a few minutes. I think that we want to look and some of the lessons that we can learn through Exodus. And one of the things that we want to learn is that we don't have to be perfect for God to use us. We know that Moses, you know, had killed an Egyptian and he ran away. He was afraid and he became a shepherd, which was the low life as far as Egyptian was concerned, because the Egyptians hated shepherds, and they really felt like they were low class. So here is Moses. He has uh, grew up in Pharaoh's household. He's gone from the palace, and he gets afraid, and he runs into the wilderness, and he becomes a shepherd. So as you were talking about earlier about how 
God, you know, humbles uh, Moses, and that's one way of humbling him. Mm -hmm. Not only does he realize what he's done and that he is scared because he's afraid everybody else is going to learn about what he did, about killing the Egyptians, but now he's gone from the palace to the wilderness as a shepherd, and Mm -hmm. he had heard for 40 years being uh, in the household of the Egyptians that shepherds were Um, the low class. And so Moses is having to deal with that. But what we do know is that God was preparing Moses for what God was prepared for Moses. And this 40 years of his life, he was having to live, not only was he a shepherd, but he wasn't even taking care of his own sheep. He was taking care of uh, Jethro. So God is preparing Moses for what God has prepared for Moses to do. When he probably thought this was just the way to, I mean, he, there's no indication that he thought that this was just a stepping stone in his journey. Like he probably, no, he was like, no. this is it. This is my, this, this is, is the rest of my life. Yeah, this is what absolutely. it's amounted to. So I'm sure there's a lot of shame in that. That's right. These are the lessons that we learned because we know the whole story, but just like Joseph didn't know he was going to get out of jail either. Right. Uh, or that he was going to be set to be, you know, one of the the ruler, uh, second person uh, in control of Egypt either. But, you know, it's just trusting God every single day and knowing that God does have a plan. And I think those are the things we want to step back from Exodus and look at it and say, you know what, God, you know, does use us no matter what our past is. I think sometimes our past are indications of how God does want to use us. I've seen people that have had cancer that God has used them with a lot of cancer um, uh, patients. I've seen people that have had children with cancer and how God has used them with other parents that are having to deal with the same thing. Somehow our past has a way of setting us up for what God wants for us because we know we we can relate. I think that's a, a great lesson. Yeah, but I think also to note that Moses was in the wilderness at this time for what it was like 40 years? Mm-hmm. His first 40 years. Well, his first 40 years were with 40, Pharaoh. First 40 years was with Pharaoh, and then and his then second the, 40 years is was the in wilderness. the first wilderness mm-hmm. runaround. And right. I think, like, clearly he had to have done a work in Moses' heart and life in those 40 years in that in the wilderness before he had him go back to Egypt. And I think that's important to note, too, is God, he had a, I'm sure there's a lot of healing that had to be done within Moses. It's not like God, there was a timing to all that. So I think even Absolutely. if, like, if we're in the midst of pain or the midst of, you know, loss or whatever, it's just taking that step by step mm-hmm. and God will do whatever God's going to do in time. You know, it's not like you don't have to get yourself ready. Right. God will get you ready. And, you know, the fact that uh, Moses would just immediately take upon himself to take care of the Hebrew at the very beginning, you know, when he killed the Egyptian, you know, he probably was very prideful. Like, I'm, you know, you're not going to hurt these Hebrews. So he, you know, jumped into there and took care of it. And then when he heard that other people knew about it, then he ran. But now he's back and God is saying, I want you to deliver the Hebrews, which that's exactly what Moses was going to do at the beginning of the first 40 years. And now, like you're saying, there's obvious that God has worked in his life because the first thing out of Moses's mouth is, well, who am I? Mm -hmm. And so now he's 
a little bit more of a humbleness. And I think we can learn those things. I think a great leader is a leader that is mm-hmm. humble. Which and I think it's it's not until later in Exodus. I think it's toward the end. Actually, it may even be in another book. I'm not sure. But it says that Moses was like one of the meekest men to ever have walked the earth. Mm-hmm. And right. and I don't want to I, – I do think there are – Cultures or people, I'm sure there are, I know that there are cultures and people who maybe worship Moses a little too much. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think who Moses was is pretty spectacular. You know, like the, I don't know, I'm just, I am a fan of Moses, I guess is the bottom line. (laughs) Not that I I worship him, I just, I really admire. You admire him for sticking in there because he had a rough life. Well, and just, yeah, like his, as we see throughout Exodus and the rest of these next couple of books, his relationship with the Lord was so intimate. Like I would argue one of, besides Jesus, maybe one of the most intimate relationships with the Lord in the Bible, just because of. And I don't want you to miss this, Kara, because here's here's the thing. The reason that Moses is such a great guy was because of his relationship with God. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not yeah. because he's this, this awesome guy. It was because no. of what God did and his relationship. And um, how he responded to God. You know, he was very honest with God. There are times we'll see where he'll say to God, God, you can't do this because God gets mad at the people. And he said, you know, the Israelites, and he says, I'm, you know, they've— they're just stiff neck and he, and I'm just going to, I'm not going to go with you because if I go with you, I'm just going to strike them dead. And Moses right. like, you can't do that, God. Well, so he was very uh, real and transparent. But what I love about it is God, is that Moses always wanted to protect God's name. And I, right. and I love that. When I love earlier in Exodus, like around Exodus 4, I think when, or maybe it's 3, anyway, in 3 slash 4, God calls Moses to go back to his people or go back to Egypt to get mm-hmm. free his people um, from Pharaoh. Like what you're saying, Moses is, we see a lot of insecurity with Moses. He's like, why me? Not me. I'm a horrible speaker. I have a stutter, you know, all these mm-hmm. excuses. And he even is like, why don't you, here's another idea. Let my brother Aaron come with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. which I think is just kind of points to what you're saying is even from the beginning, even though we see a growth in Moses through, as the book goes on, but even from the beginning, he had this honest and vulnerable. And I, I think that there had to have been a stance of when he's saying this to God, it wasn't this, like, I have a better idea, but it was, I think, coming from, it seems like coming from such a genuine vulnerability because God accepts, I mean, he says, okay, here, but he here was with very you, but... Insecure. He was mm-hmm. very insecure. But, it, you know, again, this is coming from his past. He knew what he had done. And I think that that's something we should talk about, Kara, because, you know, a lot of times we don't want to do what we feel like God's asked us to do because we don't feel secure. Now, you're looking at Moses, and you're looking at the whole story of Moses, and you're looking at how he responds and how he's so protective of the people and how he's honest with God and how he gets to a place where, like, God, if you don't go with me, I'm not going to go. Like, what's such an intimate relationship he had with God, but it was a growth. I mean, it was a process. So it wasn't mm-hmm. all that. So you're, you're, you know, the whole, the whole story, but you have to 
step back before we get way in there and realize that because of his past, he was just very, very insecure. He's like, who am I? And and mm-hmm. God works with him. He's like, Moses, it's not about who you are. It's about who I am. And so he's starting this process of showing Moses who he is. And right. as 40 years or, you know, last mm-hmm. part of Moses's 40 years, he really grows. His right. faith grows and his relationship. And that's that's the man you're seeing, right? But which before when he starts out, he just can't imagine the terror of going back to Pharaoh and saying, "Hey, I'm, will you let these this million these millions of people go out of mm-hmm. being?" You know, I just like that's a terrifying call. <laughs> and yes, it really like is a, because they wanted they were using the the uh, the Israelites. They were using these Hebrew. Uh, nation and, and ironically, I mean, they you the, know, didn't they build the uh, pyramids? No, they didn't built they? two little storehouses, oh. and um, they were, you know, working very hard with brick masons. Right, so they're building, building things. things. Yeah. They weren't shepherds; they were brick masons, and they were, you know, building things. And they were really very useful to the Egyptians so much mm-hmm. that Pharaoh gets nervous that he's going to lose that. It's all about power and control and right. we've got to put you know more pressure on them but I, I think that when we step back what do we want to learn about Exodus as we get into Exodus and we do want to know that God does know God you know said I heard the cries of my people I know what's going on and that just because you know we have hard times sometimes we think God doesn't hear our prayers God doesn't know what's going on in our lives. And so at the very beginning, uh, God says, hey, I I do know. I, I've heard the cries of my people. And I think we want to think about that when we start out in Exodus because we want to learn the lesson in the heart of God. Remember, God wanted the Israelites to know who He is. Right. You know, they find out who they are. They find out they're tested. They find out what's really down in their heart. Moses finds out what's really down in his heart. But the theme is this, I want to know God. Right. And the fact that God wanted to use Moses. God was very capable mm-hmm. of getting his people out of Egypt without Moses. But he did this whole, you know, Moses. chose Moses mm-hmm. and chose to the plagues and doing it the way he did it. So that, just like you're saying, so that they would know. Yeah. And I just think, too, like, remember, like, he didn't have to. He could do it. He didn't need us. That's right. And I think that those are some of the lessons that we knew that, again, I'm going to go back to this. Just because we've made mistakes in the past doesn't mean that our future doesn't have hope and that we can have an assurance that God does want to use us and that we want to know that hard times doesn't uh, erase God's promises. I mean, it looks like it's really, you know, difficult times are really uh, struggling. They're taskmasters are really hard on them, and they just continue to get harder. And every time Moses goes to Pharaoh, the Israelites' life gets harder. And matter of fact, they're like, would you just leave us alone? Because, you know, it was bad. But every time you go talk to uh, Pharaoh, they get mad at us and put more pressure on us. And so, you know, we just need to step back and think just because we're going through a hard time doesn't mean God's not working out something, that God's not working out our freedom. God's not working out our 
uh, lives to show us who He is. God wants us to know who He is. And I think that that's one of the things at the very beginning where it says God saw, God heard the prayers, and God acted, and He began to move uh, to answer the prayers of the Israelites. And it doesn't get easy. It's not easy at all. It, it, it's you know the entire process. The you know the wilderness is just like life. It's just like life is hard. And just because life is hard doesn't mean God has forgotten us. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care. And it doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan. And I think that that's where we need to really concentrate as we're looking into the book of Exodus. Mm-hmm. I love um, something that uh, Chuck Swindoll said. I, I want to read this to you. It says that uh, Moses spent the first 40 years nursed by his mother, then taught by the Egyptian schools. His second 40 years in the wilderness, he was nursed by solitude and taught by God. His final 40 years with the Hebrew people in the wilderness, he was nursed by trials, discouragement, and test. And he was taught by the law, which he received from God's own hand. And I think as we're thinking about getting into the book of Exodus and you just love Moses, but just remember that you love the Moses that God worked in his life, that it wasn't easy. You like that. The, I like their, the second I like, part of Moses. No, I like seeing his relationship with the Lord because I think it mm-hmm. is so intimate and so real and not perfect. You know, uh, uh, Dwight Moody said this, that Moses spent his first 40 years thinking he was somebody. He spent his second 40 years learning he was nobody. And then his last 40 years discerning that God can do something with nobody. And I think that that's what we need to do. We need to look back and, and ask God, God, the things that's going on in my life right now, I think you want to teach me who you are. I think you want me to know a lot about who I am. But I think you're preparing me for what you have prepared for me. God wants to use us. You know, people my age, Kara, believe it or not, they feel like they're done. They've been in church or they've worked in church, they've worked in ministry for so many years. And they get my age and they think God can't use them. And you know what? I'm just beginning. I think it's because of the things that God's taught me and because of the things that I understand and know a little bit more about God because I've had to walk with Him and I've seen Him come through when things got really tough. And I know what it's like to keep trusting God when He doesn't come through in the way that I think that He is. But I have to keep moving forward because God is not finished with me yet. And when I see Him face to face and I know that I'm with Him for eternity, then I know that my race is over with. My life is done. I have finished the course and I fought the fight and now I'm face to face with God. But until then, we got to move forward. And if it means another 40 years around the wilderness and around life, then we just have to keep moving forward because God wants to use us no matter what our past is. There's always hope for the future. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. 
To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen or visit her website, DotBowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen. Bowen.